Welcome to the Word Bible Study with Pastor Dan. Yeah, and I'm excited for everyone who decided to have a Bible study with me today. Last week, we talked about repentance. And I know these are things that you guys all know, and I, I, I knew I wasn't really bringing something big and brilliant that you haven't heard before. And again, today, we're going to be talking about repentance. I mean, <laughs> baptism. <laughs> Let's get it right then. We're going to be talking about baptism today. And I, again, this is a topic that I'm sure if you've been up around this church, around a lot of churches, you've heard about baptism. So we might be covering some things that we've already learned, but the Word of God is so amazing that we can read the same thing several times and God has a way of pulling out new new concepts and new ideas and the way of looking at it a little bit different. So let's talk about baptism. Before we do, I want you guys to see this video. <laughs> and here we go, the best ones for the last. <laughs> Someone showed me this before. They call it the WWE baptism. This guy baptizes people WWE style. <laughs> and as much as I enjoy this, <laughs> it's kind of funny to laugh about and watch. I don't think that's exactly how Jesus did shit. <laughs> I think he's Anybody want to get baptized like that? We can do a baptismal service. We can do, <laughs> we can do a baptismal service today. Anybody's interested? We already bought apples. Why not WWE style? So, I thought that was hilarious. I thought it was very different. I've never seen a baptismal service quite like that. And I don't think we're going to see that anytime soon in this building. So, But I, it, it did make me think about baptism and what is baptism really all about and what is the significance of it is baptism important who here thinks baptism is important is it is still relevant today it's not something that we should have stopped doing when the apostles left the earth ah we hear that some there's some things that people will tell you in this world that stopped when the apostles left the earth but i'm i'm a firm believer that every promise that was given to them, it said unto your children's children's and to all the generations is far off. And we're going to dig into that today. So is baptism important? Last week we talked about John the Baptist. And this was this man's deal. He was the baptizer. But he said, I baptize with water. This is John 3. I baptize with water those who repent of their sins and turn to God. So his baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was different from the baptisms that we see going on in the book of Acts. And we're going to talk about that. But John was paving the way for Jesus. So if you think about it, 
What is the gospel message? Can anybody tell me what the gospel message is? Just a guess. Nobody, nobody can be wrong. But what's, what, what do you think of when you hear the gospel message? Yes? When Jesus walked the earth and like <clears throat> his creation and his ministry. Yes. I mean, that, that's part of the gospels. If you technically Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are gospels. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the gospels. Mm-hmm. But when we hear the phrase, the good news, or the gospel message in the Bible... It's actually referring to something very specific. It's referring to the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's what the apostles went out and taught. That's what today is still more important than anything. I can tell people about love and joy and peace and all these great things. I could talk about God giving you money. And I believe God loves to give people money. I'm not old school in a church that believes that God wants us to be broke. I believe he wants us to be blessed. And I want, he wants us to be an example to the world of what happens when you give your life to him. But all that is not as important as the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. Without that, we, we don't even have access to God. We don't even, we're not clean before him. We're not, we're not part of his family. So... John is baptizing for repentance because John the Baptist has not seen or experienced the death, burial, and the resurrection yet. He knows it's coming, and he's making way the path for for the coming Messiah, but he hasn't come yet. So even, even this sign of a baptism and him dunking people in the water didn't really have the effect that it should have on people who got baptized right after Jesus died or the people who are getting baptized today who understand what it represents. So John baptized them as a sign of what was to come. But he told them, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am, so much greater that I am not worthy even to be his slave or to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with Holy Spirit and with fire. The next thing we come to in this chapter is the baptism of Jesus. Then Jesus went to Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it saying, I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. He said, so why are you coming to me? But again here, Jesus understood that his baptism was a representation of what was to come. John wasn't baptizing the way Jesus was going to. And that's why he understood. I, knew, I want to be baptized the way you're baptized. And we should feel the same way today. Like, I don't want to be baptized the way they were baptized in the Old Testament. I don't want to rinse my hands in the, in the bonds and labor. I want to be baptized into the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But Jesus says to him, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed and baptized him. That's a big task. If Jesus come to me and asked to be baptized, I'd be like, you need to find somebody better (laughs) to do this. But Jesus says here that it was important to carry out all of God's requirements so even jesus himself as a witness 
wanted people to understand that being baptized is a requirement from God. And after his baptism, as Jesus came out of the water, the heavens were open and they saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and sitting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Now, we know that Jesus is God wrapped in flesh. So this is a sign here again where God is showing people that repentance, baptism, and I will release the Holy Spirit on you. He was showing us how important it is to come. And we're next, hopefully in the new building, in the new life, we're going to get into the Holy Ghost next. I want to get into that and how the, the significance of that because God has showed me some things that really encouraged me and I know it will encourage you guys when we see how powerful the Holy Spirit really is. In John 3, we have a conversation here between a religious leader who knew everything about the Word of God. And Jesus has this statement to make to him where he tells him, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. So is baptism important? It's important enough for God to do it, for him to example it before us, for him to make sure that we understand how, how important it is, that God requires it, and that we will not see the kingdom of God if we're not born of water and spirit. And of course, John 14, he tells us that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. So does... God command us to be baptized. We see that he exampled it for us. And we're going we're gonna to get into it here in one second. Because there's a great commission. There's a great command. We have them written on our walls in this church because of the importance behind that. So we're going to get to it. But just to give you a spoiler. Yes, he commands us to be baptized. So who should be baptized? This is important too. Some people think, well, I don't want to get baptized. Other people can get baptized. They're going to be a minister. Then, yeah, you should get baptized. But I don't know if I personally should be baptized. Or should my friend get baptized? Is it, how important is it for me to tell him that he should be baptized, that he needs to be baptized? This is what I was just talking about, the Great Commission. Jesus came and told his disciples. Now this happens right after the gospel. This is right after Jesus is dead, buried, and rises again. So now he's like, you guys finally see what baptism really is all about. Now you understand why we were just dunking people in the water and getting heads wet. It wasn't just bobbing for apples like we did out there. That was just nonsense. This was for a reason. And Jesus commissions them here. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now, that's a very big statement right there. And I'm, we're going we're gonna to do a study on authority one day because it's powerful when you see that God hands this authority over to his believers. 
we are working in the authority of Jesus. We should be moving in that authority. Christ said, you'll do greater things than I did. You think my miracles were good? You'll do greater things than that. But it comes with that understanding of working under the authority. So here he tells them, I've been given all the authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, that I am with you always, even until the end of the earth. Now we see this, and I know if you guys have friends and people around you, we see that he says baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And some people take this scripture so that, well, Jesus told us to do it this way, so that's why they baptize in the titles, the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. But I've always been taught and realized that it says the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Didn't say baptize them in this phrase. But he says we're going to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And there's only one name that he was given, and it was Jesus. But also, I want to point out here that this scripture in the Bible is not a baptism. They're not recording Jesus actually performing a baptism and telling you what he did and how he said it and how he went about that. We're not getting that. We're getting Jesus standing, telling his people what to do. So even though we see this example and we see these words, we're going to go through some more places in the Bible where we're going to see actual baptisms and how they actually did them in the book of Acts. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna look at that here in a second. But who should be baptized? And then he told them, now this is the great command in Mark 16. Go unto all the world, preach the good news to everyone. So there again, he's telling them the gospel, the good news. Tell them about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. Now, I always got to point out this fact too because I've had people who struggled with receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. And the gift of the Holy Ghost is a gift. But it's not part of of the commission or the command. We're told to repent and to be baptized, but we're told that we then will receive the Holy Ghost. This is something that comes from that. This is not something you're obligated to do or I need you to do so you can make it to heaven. It says very clearly what you're to do, and that is to repent and to be baptized. Then it tells you if you do those two great things, there are going to be some amazing things that take place in your life. That alone is another very big reason why baptism is so important. Because I don't just want to do little things for God in this life. 
I want to do big things. And, you may, and it's not because, oh, because I just want to be Big Bad Dan Tackett. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the fact that we have a hurting world. And if you've had friends around you who are wrestling with demons, you want to have this ability to be able to help their life. If you've got other things in your life that require the power of the Holy Ghost, you're going to wish you had it. You're not going to find yourself like, well, you know, I never really needed that Holy Ghost. I don't know why God gave you that. It comes with fruit. It comes with gifts. I'm going to teach it next week. I'm not going to teach it tonight. So. <laughs> and they will speak in new languages. They will be able, able to handle snakes with safety. But you don't have to. I'm not touching snakes. Some of you guys don't want to. And if they drink anything poison, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. This are, these are all things that come from obeying those commands to God. You guys, at this age, aren't having to worry about being kept up in the middle of the night with a baby who's sick or a child who's not feeling good. And at those times in your life, you really want to be able to lay your hands on them and make them feel better. You want to be able to offer healing to a hurt world. So again, this shows how important baptism is. Then the Lord Jesus had finished talking to them. He was taken up into heaven and sat down at the place of honor at God's right hand. And the disciples went everywhere and preached and the Lord worked through them confirming what they said by many miraculous signs. So again, this is right after Jesus dies. And then he tells them, this is what I need you to do. And then he goes up into the place of honor. But that's not like this is Mark's kind of giving you a, a, a quick conclusion to his book. But when we jump into the book of Acts, which is probably where we're going to spend a big section here. The book of Acts I've always been taught, like in Bible school and seminary and stuff, that the book of Acts is like an experiment lab for a scientist. Anything that we wonder why we're doing in our church, or if we should be doing it in our church, or if this is the way that God wanted his church ran, we should be looking to the book of Acts. And this is why. Luke wrote the book of Acts. Does anybody know who Luke is? He's right there. <laughs> Luke was somebody who didn't believe in Jesus. Luke wasn't a disciple. Like we, he, we hear the book of Luke, so we, I always just thought he was a disciple. He's one of the 12, and there's 12 of them. So I don't remember all their names, so maybe one of them was Luke. It wasn't. Luke was a bad guy. <laughs> no, Luke was a doctor, though. He was a doctor, and he was a historian. He didn't believe in Jesus. He didn't follow Jesus. I believe he did at the end of his life because how can you see all that and record all the things that he recorded and then in the end of your life not believe? But when he wrote all this, he was writing it for Theophilus, who was a governor, ruler. He was a Roman. And he was like, what is all this I hear about this Jesus character? Go let me know what's going on with that. So that's where we get the book of Luke. And it's from a doctor's perspective. Now, I don't know if you know anything about doctors, but they're not exactly stupid people. 
<laughs> it requires a lot of schooling. It requires a lot of wisdom. You've got to pass a lot of tests. And there's a reason I'm not a doctor. You've got to be a smart person to excel in that field. And this man excelled in it. And he wanted to make sure that he used his wisdom in recording and making sure that we had an accurate account of not only the life of Jesus, but also the start of the church. So he tells them in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up into heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instruction through the Holy Spirit. So he's telling you this is where Mark left off. But he throws in an extra note here and he says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to his apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. <clears throat> so we hear about the story on the mount. We hear about Jesus and yeah, bless the people and go out and preach, go do the commission. But what I never realized was that he spent 40 days. Jesus didn't just show up and say, hey, go and then leave. He spent time instructing them how I want my church to look, how I want my church to act, the things that you're going to do. I want you to do it this way. I don't want it done different. That's why when we hear Matthew, okay, baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay, that's one time Jesus said it. But then he spent 40 days giving them an exact replica of what I want my church to do. So we're going to take a look at this. And we're going to see now what did he instruct them through those 40 days? What, how, how did they, he get them to understand what he wanted accomplished in his church? And part of that process was waiting on the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. He instructed them through the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't enough. He knew that we were going to need further instruction. So I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, verses 38, our famous scripture, starting in 37 though. Peter's in the upper room. The Holy Ghost falls. People are speaking in tongues. They're talking in languages they never even heard before. They're prophesying. All this craziness is going on. They literally seen fire. People in the town are coming in like, what is going on? These people are drunk and crazy, burning down the house. And Peter has to let them know about the gospel. He tells them, you guys don't understand what just happened. Like We've just witnessed the gospel message, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our king, our Messiah. And he tells them this whole story about it. And his words pierce their hearts. And they say to him and the other apostles, brothers... What should we do? What did Jesus teach you guys for those 40 days? What did he show you was so important? What can I do to have a part of that gospel message? And Peter replies, each of you must repent from your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Again, Peter puts it just like that. Your responsibility is to repent. Realize in your mind what is wrong, 
what God doesn't like in your life. Turn towards him to help you change your life and fix your problems. And then be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then once you do that, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. But this promise is to you and to your children and to all those who are far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging the listeners, save yourself from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. I love how it doesn't go into his whole sermon. It's like, let me point out the most important part, the gospel. And then he said a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> then he told them a bunch of other things that were good and I'm sure it helped them. And it was helpful for their life. But nothing is more helpful to anybody's life than the gospel message. Anything that you could help your friend with or your brother with or somebody who's hurting around you, the only thing that's going to fix their problem is the fact that Jesus Christ came down to this earth and died and was buried and rose from the dead again. That answers any problem that anybody has. If somebody comes to me and says, I'm an alcoholic and I'm having a problem with that. The gospel message is the answer for that. You should be dead to sin. You should be buried with Christ and you should be alive to a new life. I tell them a God who came and died and rose again so you can die to that sin and live a new life. It is the answer to any problem that we can come in contact with. So when should we get baptized? We see it's important. How important should we do it? Should we do it now? Is it something we can put off until we're older? And we see this story in Acts chapter 9. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, and he took Philip and showed Philip somebody who was in need of this revelation of the gospel. And he told him, go alongside the chariot. run." So Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the chariot and sit down with him. The passage of the scripture that he had been reading was this. Now, as soon as he said, do you understand what you were saying? He should have said, no, I'm reading Isaiah. <laughs> it's hard to understand. If you've ever read the book of Isaiah, it's very abstract. It's very spiritual. It's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. You can preach from it all day because it's almost like poetry. It's not very specific. So a lot of preachers will preach from that. But he's reading him this passage. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch said to Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, there is water. Why can't I be baptized? 
And he ordered the carriage to stop, and they went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. So right away, as soon as he's telling him about the gospel message, this guy's looking for an opportunity to be baptized. Can I be baptized now? There's water. What's going to stop me from getting baptized now? Next, we're going to look at in the book of Acts. And I don't think there's any way I'm going to finish all these notes today, guys. So we're going to stop after this, and we're going to have to pick it up next week because there's still a lot more really good stuff that I want to get into. But before we do, I also want to look at Brother Saul. Brother Saul became Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament Bible, had an encounter with Jesus. So he found himself going to look for Ananias, a man who would pray for him so he could see again. And he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Now this is is Saul who just had an encounter with Jesus. He was a devout believer. He studied his Bible. He knew his word. He was a Jew of Jews. He was somebody who was important. And even after all of that, even after having this encounter with Jesus, he got up and he went and got baptized. It was important for him to be baptized. He didn't say, all right, I already talked to Jesus. He already told me what to do. I'm going about my life. Now I'm good. I've already passed that stage. He immediately got up and went and got baptized. That is how significant baptism really is. It's something that God commands us to do because he knows the power it's going to have in our lives. He knows that it's the only way that we're going to be able to stand in his presence and be justified. God is a holy God. And he wants us to be holy like him. And that requires the blood of his son. So we're going to pause there. And I'm going to come back next week. And I'm going to finish all this. Because now that I've got your mind thinking about how this is important. And why we need to do it. Next week we're going to go through and we're going to talk about all the power that comes from it. We're going to talk about what the benefits in the spiritual realm are. Not only just the benefits in this life. So stand with me and we will pray and we will be done today. So dear Lord Jesus, touch our hearts and minds today, God. Allow your word to sink into our heart, God, and produce fruit in our life, God, that we will encourage people around us with the good news, with the gospel message, and that we can relay to our friends and to our family and to a lost and hurt world the significance of baptism and why it's so important and why it allows us the freedom in you that we so desire. So go with these children this week, God. Allow them to have a blessed life. Let them feel your presence more than ever before. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen.